We've all heard the saying a thousand times, be the change you want to see in the world. It's not easy, but that's exactly what my guest today did, and I am inspired. Congresswoman Cori Bush joined me on the show to share how she found and fought her way to a life of public service, the first black woman to represent Missouri in Congress. Every day she makes changes motivated by empathy and equity. Don't worry, I ask her how she relaxes too. This is 4G with Demi Lovato. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I am amazing. <laughs> oh, you look beautiful. You look stunning. Your lipstick matches your wallpaper. How do you do that? Yes. It's, <laughs> it's a trick. <laughs> yes. For those who are listening and who don't know Corey Bush, how would you like to describe yourself? I give everybody who comes on this podcast the opportunity to introduce themselves the way they want to be known. So how is that to you? Uh, just someone who loves humanity. Like I'm someone who loves humanity enough to fight for it. You know, um, I guess my name and reputation, you know, take a hit because of it, but can't make me not love the people. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Like what life experiences you've had that led you into your work of public service? Sure. Um, I, so I went through a lot of setbacks uh, once I, um, right after high school. And that was kind of like when my life kind of changed into something that I hadn't expected because I just grew up like this straight A student, you know, um, like books were my thing. And mm -hmm. uh, my parents would always say, oh, you're going to get a scholarship, full ride. You know, you're going to go to Howard University. You're going to become the U.S. Attorney General. And like they had it planned out for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like on board for the most part. But then I had this really horrible situation happen to me when I was um, entering high school. Um, this uh, administrator um, treated me really bad. I was the number one incoming freshman, I was told. And um, it was a predominantly white all-girls school. And um, it was like two or three incoming Black uh, freshman um, girls. And I was treated terribly. I had never been through anything like that in my life. And it just... it it taught me like, don't let people know you're smart. Don't let people know you're intelligent. Don't let people know you love books, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I like went in, I didn't know at the time that that was, a, that I went into a depression, um, but I just went inside myself and I didn't let people see me anymore. And years later, I just, um, just went, just went through a really, really rough, really rough time. Um, and I found my, I guess, peace in a way, uh, what I thought was peace in um, people that I probably should not have, you know, connected myself to because they weren't going the direction that I needed to go, um, mm -hmm. drugs, alcohol. Um, and um, uh, it was just different than what I thought my life would 
would be. And then through that, I went through uh, several um, instances where I was sexually assaulted. I went through um, domestic uh, violence situations with different partners, um, almost lost my life at the hands of an abusive partner more than once. And I mean, just everything was happening, you know, and um, uh, later on just ended up, you know, I finally started to get on my feet, but financially, I just couldn't make it work. I was doing what I loved. I was taking care of children, but there, you know, I was making minimum wage, taking care of people's kids. And over time, I just started to realize like, this cannot be like what my life has to be like, something is wrong. Um, And I've, later on found out those are a lot of that was policy choices. A lot of what I went through were policy decisions someone made. Slowly I became a nurse and uh, was able to, you know, get start to get on my feet. And when Michael Brown was murdered, uh, changed my life. And I decided that I had to speak up for people that were going through what I've gone through in my life. Wow. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing everything that you're sharing with me. I know that it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable, not just with another human being, but then on a podcast in front of so many people. So I just, I commend you on your strength and I'm so sorry that you had to go through any of that. It is an honor to have you. Can you share how you got into activism and then moved into traditional politics? Sure. So for me, I always thought like activists were people who um, like cared about recycling and the polar bears. And, (laughs) you know, like that's what I kind of grew up thinking. That's what activists, that's who they were. Um, And but when Michael Brown was murdered, um, I just it, it happened six minutes from my home. It was a community that I spent a lot of time in and I just decided I needed to show up. Like, let me just show up because I couldn't believe what happened, you know, in my community. And uh, because we saw it, we saw this this, uh, image of this 18 year old laying on the ground, uncovered for four and a half hours. And what, like, I just couldn't understand how that could happen. And so I ended up going out and to the streets, um, didn't know that I was going out in that first day that that day would turn into more than 400 days. I didn't know what it was to be an activist or a protester. Um, I had gone with my dad to like commemorative MLK marches and sit-ins, that type of thing. I watched like Eyes on the Prize and those type of documentaries a lot, but I just had never really experienced that myself. And so, um, but being out there and seeing that, you know what, Um, when regular people come together and we, you know, put our voices together to fight for change, like we saw change happen. And the thought of my own child being the next hashtag, the thought of my Mm -hmm. Black son, my Black daughter being the next next hashtag. And I didn't do enough. I didn't want to look back and say, I could have done something more. Like I could have changed something. I could have, you know, what else could I have done? I didn't want to, I didn't want that to be the case. And so someone asked me to run for office after a year of protest. And at first I said no, because my dad's been in politics for most of my life. And I swore I would never do it because I watched a good person just take so much, you know, and I didn't want my kids to be next. And so finally I, I stepped up. And I haven't looked back yet. 
Wow. With so many fights to fight, how do you decide where to place your focus on any given day? Yeah, it's what my heart says. Um, I remember, I kind of start with my own experiences and I remember what it was like to walk through those things. So um, everything that I've gone through is not very far from my memory. Like I can still feel the pain of of those things. And um, I can, I remember what it was like to sleep out of the car. And I remember those cold nights wondering, like not being able to sleep because I had my two babies in the car and I didn't want to like wake up and one of them had gotten too cold, you know? Mm. Um, I, I remember what that was like. I remember days being very, very hungry and, but feeding my kids and just not knowing when I would be able to eat, uh, you know? And so those things, I, I, I can't, I just can't get out of my head. I can't get out of my head how long, how many times I went to court to try to get justice um, against the person that um, sexually assaulted me and how many times I was turned away and how long my rape kit sat on the shelf. Like, I, I, I can't, I don't, I cannot forget those things. I cannot forget how I felt when the police brutalized me and stomped me like a rag doll, doll on the ground in Ferguson. And um, and I went unconscious and woke up with a gun to my head, took the barrel of a gun to my head. I can't forget those things. And so because of that, I take that with me. And so, so I think about who did I need when I was going through those things? What did I want to see? How much did I want that per would I have wanted that person to fight for me? And that's what I do because I, you know, Demi, and I, and I don't think you don't understand. I know you probably understand exactly what I'm saying. I feel like 24 hours a day, I feel weeping on the inside of me. Mm. I feel someone else saying I have a need. Who's yeah. going to help me? Yeah. You know, I, I I relate so much to this because I meet so many fans in my meet and greets and at my concerts and, yeah. you know, in passing. And and I hear so many of my fans tell me their needs and and what they're going through. And it makes me want to, you know, take action and be a voice for them. Yes. So I, I absolutely 100 um, percent can relate to what you're saying because I have spent so much of my time fighting that fight for my fans and and it it is there is something very fulfilling about that as well there's so many topics that i want to dive into today but i'd love to double tap on the war on drugs yes so it's caused mass devastation in the black latinx and indigenous communities. Why is fighting against this topic so important to you? You know, I watched Demi, my friends, and their mothers, fathers, aunts, cousins, loved ones, grandparents. Um, I watched in the 90s, so many of them just being picked off, Um, whether it was parents having this addiction to crack cocaine um, or, or heroin um, and that, that they didn't bring into the community themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched them criminalized instead of treated mm-hmm. in and out of jail. And I watched, so oftentimes if the, uh, if the, if the guardian was in and out of jail, what happened to the child, the kids? And so I watched that over and over again. I watched my friends hungry, 
Um, I watched my kid, my friends go into foster care. I watched grandma, grandmas put up their homes to try to get someone out of, out of uh, jail. I watched my friends die. I remember I lost about 40 of my friends and associates within a matter of a couple years um, to gun violence locally. And um, I watched many of them end up um, becoming substance uh, users themselves. And still so much of it policy decisions that did not have to happen. Change could have happened. Things could have happened differently that would have saved lives, that would have stopped this. This did not have to even become a thing in the first place. And not only did it not have to become a thing, it didn't have to become something that ravaged the Black community, that ravaged the Brown community, you know, and it still today reverberates. Like still today, I can think of so many of the people that I loved, that were my friends that went to jail at 17 and 18 years old that are still there now. And their lives like robbed from them. And so I fight this tooth and nail because it didn't have to be. And now that I know more, now that I know how much it makes a difference in who you have seated in these positions, do you have people seated who actually just first love people. Because if I first love you, I care that you have food, you know, that you have quality food, clean air, clean water, that you are safe in your living environment. I care about those things. I care that if you end up in a situation to where you're hurting, that I don't cause more harm. I care that I connect you to the resources you need. That's the society we should live in. And since that has not been presented, especially to Latinx communities, especially to indigenous communities, especially to black communities, especially to our children. Um, and, you know, it changes when we change it. So how do we, how do we change it? How do we start? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's an inside outside strategy. So, you know, um, I am in Congress as, and I call myself all the time a politivist. I am, I started out the activist and now I'm a politician too. And the only reason I can call myself a politician is because the definition says somebody that runs for office or is in office. So I'm, in a, I'm a politician. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Right. But, um, but, um, being an activist and a politician, I married the two of those. And so the same fight that I would have on the streets is the same fight I bring to Congress. But the difference is that momentum, that moxie, that that fire, um, that uh, courage that you need out on the streets and protests, um, that same thing but connecting it to the power of the pen and the power of the purse being in a, in a, in a legislative seat. Um, mm. That is what we need. That's how we make the change. So we need the people that are on the ground, that are in the communities, that are doing the work to, to tell the legislators that are making the policies, that are getting the policies across the line, getting signed into law to tell us what is happening, to tell us what we need. We need the community to tell us how they're hurting. And then we have to be the ones to carry it out. The other thing is we cannot be afraid to do mm. it. We can't be afraid to go up against big corporations, big structures, big names, big wealth. We can't be afraid to do that. And so how do we get there? We have to look at ourselves. Is it you? Like the question is, mm. is it you? Are you the one that carries that vision? Do you 
you carry that courage? And is it you that should be in the seat helping us to bring about this change? Sometimes we don't even realize how amazing we are and that we're holding that, you know, but some of us are holding it and free, free yourself and walk in your destiny, walk in that light and that love for humanity so we can make the change. So whoever that person is that I'm talking to, like, don't be afraid. Look, I'm somebody that they said I couldn't do it. I didn't look the part, you know, oh, your braids are unprofessional. Your hips are too big. Your skin is too dark. You're not educated. Like all of these things. Oh, you're a single parent. You don't have a husband. Like I heard all of the stuff, but I'm here and I'm here and I'm making change in the face of every single bit of adversity because St. Louis deserves it. This country deserves it. And there are other people listening that are on that, 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 that feel a tug right now as I'm speaking. They feel that tug. Ready yourself. Ready yourself and go into the place where it's whether it's activism organizing in your community, if it's local, state, or federal politics, let's get going. That's how we make the change. We all, it has to be the people on the outside of, of, of the government and on the inside working together. Oh, wow. Cory Bush for president. Anybody? (laughs) I mean, I'm just like, I'm so fired up listening to you speak. I mean, this is exactly the type of politician that I want to support. And just like listening to you have so much heart in this conversation is just so admirable and inspirational. So I thank you for what you're doing. Given that you got your start in on the ground activism and you're now in Congress, what did you feel that you could uniquely accomplish as an activist versus what you could uniquely accomplish in Congress? You know, thinking about all that I've gone through and all that I saw uh, my friends, all that I've, you know, just witnessed friends and, um, and community members go through, um, I felt like I could bring that because I remember feeling like, who's speaking for us? Like, right. who from here, like from the ground, is actually speaking directly to our issues without... Um, you know, being fearful of, you know, I can say this, but I can't say that I have to, you know, just, you know, we have to do this incremental thing. Well, incremental got our butts kicked. Incremental costs lives. And I understand that sometimes things have to move that way. But I also understand sometimes you have to kick the door in and you have to make people listen. I talk about uh, when I was unhoused or when I was just um, really in a position where I just did not have uh, much. And I would go to food pantries. And I remember the first time I was on national television and I talked about what happens when you go to food pantries and people responded like, what? Like, I I didn't know. I didn't know that there are food pantries that you can only go to once a month and that they have to go through your your history of your employment and your history of of, uh, your finances in order to give you a box of food. You know, I didn't know that when you show up, sometimes they give you expired food, you know, um, because that's all they have. Like when I started talking about that, when I talked about people would give you things and it's like, where do I cook this? You're going to give me you're going to give me um, all of these canned goods. But I, I'm in my I living in my car. How do I open a can? What do I do with this? You're going to give mm. me milk. Thank you for the milk. But I can't keep it because I can't put it anywhere. I'm living in a car. Um, and so like when I started to talk about that, it it opened up people's eyes when I t- when I slept outside on the steps of the of the US Capitol um, with my colleagues and so many people from the community. And people saw um, people saw us in the middle of the night out there and how we couldn't sleep. People saw like what that what that in a way, what that trauma is like. 
um, when you can't close your eyes because you're open to everything in the environment when it's raining on you. And what do you do when the blanket gets wet because it's raining and you can't do anything? Like people saw those things. That is what it's about. That's what I felt like I could bring is um, the realness, that raw, gritty conversation about the trauma upfront and personal to people because sometimes you have to put it in people's faces for them to understand it. Our stories have power and it's power to change. Mm. You said that you were unhoused. How long were you unhoused for? Um, unhoused where I was actually sleeping out of a car. That was, um, it was a total of a, a three months. Okay. Um, my baby, my daughter um, was what, two? No, she was three, I think three months old. And my son had just turned one. How did you find the courage to get through that time? Was it looking at your children and thinking, I got to make it for them? Or was it, was it everything? I mean, how did you find that strength to get through that period of time? Uh, I, you know, I didn't know how I got there in that place. And mm. so not knowing how I got there, I felt like I got to scratch my way out of it. Like, I just, I don't know um, how I got here, but I know I can't stay. Right. Um, and uh, I just remember feeling like my kids, my son, uh, he was born one pound, three ounces. He was very mm. premature. I was only 23 weeks pregnant when I had him. And um and just the idea that he needs more care than this. My my daughter, my newborn baby needs better care than this. Um, and I was the one that had to bring it. Uh, and so every day it was more like, okay, I woke up today. So do something. Mm, like I woke right. up, that, it was that. I woke up today. I got to figure something out. Uh, and putting one foot in front of the other, honestly, like I didn't know how, how I would get out, but, um, but uh, here you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of advice would you give to anybody that's in that position today? Is there anything that you would say, any words of wisdom? Yes, absolutely. Um, the only way you don't win, the only way you don't make change is when you quit. When you stop, that's how you guarantee that um, you won't move forward. Every single step you celebrate. So today I may have only been able to, uh, uh, today I slept in um, in my car, but maybe tomorrow I, I'm able to sleep at a friend's house. You know, uh, I'm, I'm going to celebrate that step. Uh, I didn't have... Um, I didn't have the money for my medications today, um, but tomorrow I have the money to at least get, they let me get five days worth. I'm going to celebrate that step. Every single bit we celebrate. And then also just remembering that it's, a, it's what's on the inside of you. It's what is on the inside of you that is 
uh, has to be acknowledged by you because sometimes we don't even realize how beautiful that is on the inside and that we pull from that. Like you draw from that. There is a well on the inside of you that is waiting to like, it's like a, it can be a geyser, you know, let that thing flow, pull on it when you need it because it's there. But sometimes it's our lack of awareness of it that, that causes us to just go inside of ourselves pull that thing forward. You have what you need and the part that you may not, that you may not have in that moment, you have it, but you may not realize it. That's when you stop, you stop and you just sit with yourself and you decide, you make the decision. I am more than enough. Mm. I have courage. I am whole. I am going to do what I need to do in this moment. And if it gets you an hour, then you mm-hmm. just got yourself an hour. That's an hour to go and make another change. That's an hour. That's an hour. That's And I think about that's how I got through after my uh, a sexual assault I went through um, in 2016. I literally had to go for a while. It was minute by minute. Then it was, then it was 30 minutes by 30 minutes. Then it was hour by hour. And then it just moved up and and more and more that I I went, I took two steps out of my bedroom. I couldn't take three. A couple of days later, I took four. And then a few days later, like two weeks later, I was out of my bedroom and I was walking in my living room. Like that is how you have to look at your life. You can do this. You can do this. If nobody ever tells you, you can't, I'm telling you, you can. Demi's telling you, you can, you can do this. You have the support and we're sending you all the love, the light, the power, the freedom, every single bit to be able to rise up in who you are. And you don't have to be a particular age to be that. Yes. Isn't that right? Uh, (laughs) uh, That was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. My audience consists of a lot of young people from all over the world, not just the United States. What's one thing that you would say to them today? Uh, You know what? Um, You don't realize that you are greater than your wildest dreams. Um, The sky is not even your limit. You can see the sky. That's how you know it's not your limit. Those things that you could not even imagine for yourself, they are yet in your grasp. So if someone tells you what you can't, you remember who you are and you go for that thing. If it means taking some more time to educate yourself in that thing so that you can be built up and ready to go, do it. If it means you need to connect to a group or individual or someone that can help you to get to that next place, do it. Do not let anyone, no one, I don't care how much influence they have. I don't care how much you like, love them. I don't care how much they've done for you. Great. We appreciate it. Thank you. But (laughs) don't let them stop you from being all that you can be. The only one that can stop you from that is you. Because remember, when you were five, people told you, you can be the president of the United States. You can be this. You can be that. And then when you turn 16 that you, and you say, I want to be president of the United States, they say, oh, you, you, you can't do that. You want to be, you know, you can be a firefighter or you can be, you can be, you can be whatever it is you want to be. And take it from me who never thought I would be in Congress, never thought I would be a politician, never thought anyone would, kn- would know my name. I actually thought I would be, I would be gone at 21 because that's how mm. bad my life was going. I 
am Missouri's first Black Congresswoman in the history of the, U- the United States. I yes. am the first nurse to go to Congress from the state of Missouri in the history of the United States. I'm the first activist for the, for, uh, from the movement to save Black lives and to fight police brutality, the very first one in the U.S. Congress. So don't you dare look at what your past, your trauma does not dictate how far you can go. Use it to mm. help someone else. Use it to help someone else. You fly, you soar, you be amazing. Oh, gosh, you're like warming my heart. It just feels so good to hear you speak. Thank you. Thank you, Demi. No, thank you. (laughs) Thank thank you, because you have done this for so many. You know, I look, I've I've watched you over the years and, you know, you have done this for so many. You've been open. You've been transparent. You've been loving. And, you know, sometimes we need to pour back into each other. And so I just want to thank you. Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, how, okay. Like you have to have bad days, right? Everybody has a bad day. How do you stave off the, the world ache when you know that you have to keep fighting? How do you get around that darkness? Because I know that sometimes it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so I am, uh, someone who believes that everything that I'm doing um, is a mission. It's not, it wasn't my choice. It wasn't a desire of mine. It's a mission. It's a calling. And um, so I lean on that when I have those bad days, it's like remembering my, like remembering the mission. Corey, why are you doing this? Yes, this hurts. You know, just a couple of days ago, I went through something that was very, very hard. Um, um, something that happened in Congress and but even through that, when when the the media is talking horribly about me, when the criticisms are are um, enormous, and when people don't understand, um, I have to remember that I'm doing this to help somebody else. That's where I was, and if and just the knowing that somebody else won't have to walk through, even if it's one person, they won't have to walk through some of the pain that I walked through. Just knowing one person that helps me go. And then also I'm a gospel girl. So I will go and turn on my gospel music and like, you know, get my life back. (laughs) Yes. Uh, You would say that's how you relax is gospel music. Uh, Yeah. That and, and ice cream is my wine. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) Well, I ask this question to everyone who comes on to my podcast, and it's kind of how I wrap things up. Um, If the fourth dimension is the world that we strive to live in, what does the fourth dimension look like to you? For the people in Missouri, for our country, the world, how would you describe that place? Um, It's a place where liberty means liberty, um, where freedom means freedom. And uh, equity, equity was the door to equality. Um, And so um, it's a place where none of us have to wake up wondering, will my child make it home today mm-hmm. because of the color of their skin? It's a mm-hmm. place where 
We know that there are no children that are hungry, um, that there is no abuse and neglect ha happening in our world where people get to just be free to be themselves. Um, and because of that freedom, because of the uniqueness of everybody's stories and, and where people come from, whether it's the language, whether it's uh, whatever the culture is, uh, whatever the mindset is, that that is what is celebrated in our world because each one of us was made unique. You know, yes. each one of us is, is bringing something different because when we put all of those differences and all of that together, it's just like fall leaves. You know, nobody pays attention to the leaves in the summertime when they're all green. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, great summer. <laughs> but in the fall, people are like, oh, those are beautiful. Look at those, the look at those different leaves. Right. That, that is it. One where people, where there is peace in the mm. hearts of every person, not in one area, peace for us and peace for our legacy. Mm. Well, I, I know I just said that was going to be the last question, but <laughs> but I, I do have to ask, what what is next for you? You know, do you, what are some of your biggest political aspirations? Um or, or do you think that far? Do you stay in the present? Yeah, that um, right now I'm really in the present because I'm still, look, Demi, I wake up every day like, oh, that happened. Like I am in Congress. <laughs> <laughs> I still am like, right. I'm in Congress. Uh, so yeah, I don't, right now, I just, my aspirations are um, stopping the tears of my folks that are hurting right now. That's all I can, that's all I really want to see. When I know that that change has happened, when people can feel the that difference in their lives, like that's when I know that I'm released, you know, in some ways to be able to think about what's next. Um, but right now um, I'm in this place of, I got to do what I said I would do. Yes. Folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it has been just so incredibly inspiring having you on this podcast. I just want to say thank you so much. And um, and it, I will just continue to watch and be amazed at you. Um, thank you so much, Corey Bush. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So honored. So honored. I love you. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Love you, too. <laughs>